Happy Friday and welcome back here on the Bet US Boxing Show. And man, have we got a busy one. Hope you have your track shoes on today because we have got fights from New York to England even to Australia that are all of relevance, and we're ready to talk all about them. I am the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. He is our insider from Fight Freaks United Substack, as well as BigFightWeekend.com. Hello, Dan Rayfield. We have been waiting for this Friday and for this weekend of fights, have we not? Yes, sir. Ever since we had that uh, week a couple weeks ago where we didn't have any fights to officially pick because there was something on the schedule, we did a look ahead to our big main event this week, the Deontay Wilder-Robert Hellenius heavyweight fight. Uh, but this week we've got that fight and a whole bunch of other fights. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, our biggest show we've had since we started doing this show with BetUS. It's huge. It's a big show today. And so we're going to be busy with five different fights that we're going over that you're going to see on the rundown. We want to say, first of all, thank you, Dan. Happy 1,000 subscribers. We have crossed that threshold here on the BetUS Boxing Channel. Again, we started at zero earlier uh, in the summer. Now we're already up to 1,000. Let's keep going throughout the fall here. Let's keep going. Get that thing to 1,500. Get that thing to 2,000. We only do that with your help, peeps. Hit the like button down below us. Hit the bell. Make sure that you're subscribing. Make sure that you're sharing it out on social media. You see us sharing it out as well on social media, Dan and me and BetUS. But you guys do your part. And right now, if you're with us live in the 1 Eastern Time hour uh, here on Friday, we also have the live chat going. So some live questions. And you may see some of those as we rock along here uh, with the different fights, the specific fights that we're talking about. We might put in a question. Now, later on, if it's not related necessarily to one of the fights and we have some time, there could be some Q&A a little bit later. I make no promises on that. We're going to go quickly because we've got five fights of real relevance. Four of them are world title fights. So we're going to get to those. First, though, before we do all of that, let's take a look at the records. One thing you will notice if you've been with us week after week and month after month, we're still making you money. Rayfield was making you money again last week. Me, not as much, but uh, you, you knocked a couple more down. Look at that. Still plus, what is that? Plus 27 on the ledger, uh, plus 24 on the total units if you've been wagering with us uh, for the show. We like that. We hope to continue with the winners here. So make sure that you are with us. And again, the advice more than likely lean with Rayfield. He loves the uh, the win, the W-H-E-N. When is the fight going to be over with? You've been making a lot of money for people if they've been paying attention on the over-unders uh, of these. So again, we go over which fighter will win. We go over the method, the how, the knockout, the decision a lot of times. But we also sometimes go for the win, the W-H-E-N. It will happen on an over-under. And for example, in fight number one, we've got an interesting over-under. Why don't we get to that? The long-awaited return of the former WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder. Wilder back after being away for a year. October of last year, he lost to Tyson Fury. Dan fighting Robert Hellenius, a fighter that is a legit contender, uh, born in Sweden but now fighting under the Finnish flag, as you see there on the screen. We see our odds. Look at the over-under because of Wilder's punching power and 41 career knockouts and 42 wins. The over-under only four and a half in this one. This is Saturday night, Barclays Center, Brooklyn, and you will be in the house for this one as well. Tell me more as we've reached fight weekend. Well, it's the return of Deontay Wilder. That's what most people want to know and have been looking forward to for quite some time. You mentioned he's coming off of that loss last October in the third fight against Tyson Fury. 
in their trilogy fight was the fight of the year, one of the great heavyweight championship fights we've ever seen. For me, 20-plus years of covering boxing, best heavyweight fight I've ever been ringside for, and it was just phenomenal. Now, on that undercard, it was Robert Hellenius getting his second straight knockout upset win against Adam Konaski, which is really the fight, the two fights really, that put him in the position to be a logical opponent for Deontay Wilder in this return. So they're both coming off the same uh, length of layoff. I know some people like to make a big deal about how long guys are out of the ring. Uh, these guys are on the exact same length of layoff. The difference, of course, is that you have Robert Hellenius with two good solid victories in a row by knockout against Kanaski, uh, and you have Deontay Wilder coming off two straight knockout losses to Tyson Fury. Obviously, Wilder fighting the better caliber of opponent. Uh, but this is all about, you know, the comeback, the big comeback. And it's a WBC elimination fight, a semifinal. So the winner theoretically will be in position to fight Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, to get the mandatory shot against uh, the WBC belt currently held by Tyson Fury. And there's a lot at stake for this fight. Now, one thing people should know is Tyson Fury, uh, not Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder and Robert Hellenius, they know each other pretty well. They've, they've sparred together over the years. They're friendly with each other. They're both about the same size height-wise, uh, but the weigh-in has already taken place. And you have Robert Hellenius outweighing him by almost like 40-something pounds. So Hellenius is, really? a, is, a, is a much heftier guy. But Deontay is not out of uh, normal uh, parameters where he typically weighs. He was like 214 and a half. That's kind of low, but uh, he purposely bulked up for, for at least for the third Tyson Fury fight. But it's all about Deontay Wilder's punching power. Can he deliver it? And based on that over-under, the odds makers think that he's going to deliver that, making that four and a half rounds uh, as an over-under on a 12-round schedule fight. Now, if you want me to give my pick, I do think that Deontay Wilder wins this fight. I do think he wins by a knockout. But I'm I'm not going with that over-under. You know me, TJ. I'm always picking over-unders. And you made the point yep. when you introduced me that I've done well on, on letting the folks know the win, you know, the over or the under. Uh, I'm not touching this over-under because I, I can see uh, a situation where you've got the type of knockout like he did against Bermain Stavern or Dominic Brazil also at Barclays Center and just tremendous first-round knockouts. But because of the familiarity with each other, because of the layoff uh, that Deontay's coming off of and trying to shake the cobwebs out in terms of having come off such a tough loss, just sort of trying to get that confidence back, get the swagger back, maybe it does take him a few rounds to get going. Um, and and Hellenius is, uh, you know, he's been stopped before, but he's usually given, uh, you know, he doesn't go out in like one or two rounds either when he has been stopped. So I was sort of like on the fence and four and a half was sort of like, you know, that's why it's the over-under. It's a tough one to pick in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I just stayed away from the over-under, but I definitely went with Deontay Wilder by the knockout. By the way, you're seeing lots of comments from the peeps, and the audience is picking up as we speak and as we talk about this fight. We're going to spend a couple of more minutes talking about the fight. There's a lot of people going back and forth. Two or three of the peeps have already said Wilder early KO. You just said knockout, but you're not as focused on is it early is it later? It would surprise me if this thing is over with like in the first or the second round, one way or the other. I think there will be a feeling out process here. Let me put that right back to you. How shocked would you be if this is over immediately with Hellenius being a veteran? And as you mentioned, he's been in the, the training camp of Wilder, knows some of the ins and outs. And I think, uh, it could maybe frustrate him some, grapple him some. I, I don't I don't think this is quick. How surprised would you be if it is a quick ending, however it ends? I'm never going to be surprised if Deontay Wilder ends a fight quickly because he's got that kind of power. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to. I mean, I think people expect him to knock out Dominic Brazil, for example. One round, I was a little surprised by that. Dominic one Brazil punch. Was a, they one won punch. thunderous punch. Take yeah. us back to that moment 
because you were in there May of 2019 in the arena. Take us back to that, just as I like to say, atom bomb right hand on Brazil. You were there. Yeah, man, so it wasn't just a Brazil knockout. Now, that was a first-round knockout, and it was devastating, and it was a highlight reel. He kind of, his whole body sort of like just went, you know, the any semblance of uh, a feeling in his body. It's like his electricity was just short-circuited. But Deontay has done that before against other opponents. He did it to Bermain Stavern in their rematch in the first round. Now, remember, Stavern, when Deontay Wilder first became the WBC heavyweight champion, he took it from Stavern on a 12-round decision. There was all the questions in 2015. You know, Deontay had never been past, you know, whatever, six rounds or something like that at the time. And everybody was questioning, can Deontay Wilder, you know, go deep into a fight if necessary? Well, he did against Bermain Stavern in their first fight, and he went all 12 rounds, and he won basically a shutout. And when it was a mandated rematch a few years later, it was a matter of walk right to him and just absolutely blitz him in the first round. He did it to uh, to uh, um, Dominic Brazil. He also had, uh, not in the first round, but he had massive knockouts in at the Barclay Center against uh, Arthur Spilga, for example, which is maybe the most devastating knockout that he's ever had in his career as far as like a heavyweight title fight, where I was there for that too. I mean, I'm not trying to make light of this, but I was not the only one when he went down. We kind of thought like he was very seriously injured on that knockout. Uh, mm. He's got one of the best right hands in the history of boxing period. Now, the other thing that wouldn't be a complete, utter, complete shock, and Robert Hellenius may not have the punching power that Wilder has, but he's not like a guy that can't punch. Also, he has a lot of knockouts. And Deontay Wilder has been down a bunch of times in the fights with Tyson Fury, and he hasn't been in the ring for a while, and you never know. If he comes in a little bit cold and it's maybe on his mind and he's feeling the pressure and he's sort of thinking back to what happened, you know, maybe Hellenius can land the big shot also and get Deontay Wilder off his feet early on. You never know. I mean, he has been down before. Uh, and look, in heavyweight boxing, more than any other weight class, and we talked about this on the show plenty of times, TJ, one punch can change everything either way. Sure. Well, and you see um, all the time that uh, that punchers, especially big punchers, find a way to land it. The real question is, can Hellenius take it or not? And I think there's another school of thought, too, is Wilder a different fighter after Fury has beaten him up, really, in the last two fights, February 2020, October of last year. We won't know that until Saturday night. How different is he? We won't know that until he gets in there. I believe there will be some ring rust. Let's go on the on the record. Wilder, Hellenius, Dan Rayfield says, give me Deontay Wilder KO, and that's all I want. All I want is the Wilder KO. I'm agreeing with you. I think Wilder will get to him, but I don't think it's quickly. And I'll go a step uh, further here, and I will say that this one goes beyond the four and a half rounds on the over-under. I'm taking the over as well. So I will double up. And this is rare, folks. If you have not been with us throughout these shows that we've done the last few months, Dan typically does go over-under. He just explained why he's not weighing in on this one I am there for that, so I will double up on Wilder Hellenius. And again, I'm seeing lots of back and forth. There's a lot of debate. A couple of people are saying, as you've seen some of the comments down here on the screen, Hellenius does not have great head movement, is more of a stationary target. That sets up perfectly for that right hand. Again, I think what will be bigger is if Wilder starts to get close to him, starts to land, does he have enough wherewithal, Hellenius, to take the punch and or grapple wrestling. Did you say 40 pounds in weight difference? That could I be a factor. That could Hellenius be a factor. Like, well, I mean, yes and no, because Deontay's knocked out, you know, plenty of guys right. that weighed him. Uh, when I say they're similar size, they basically look each other in the eye in terms of their height. But, yeah, I, you know, Robert was around 254, I believe wow. it was, on the way in, and Deontay was about 214 and a half. Um, and, listen, I didn't pick the over-under, but if it goes early, like you said in your pick, 
I wouldn't be the most unhappy guy in the world because I am going to New York on the train, but I'm also taking the train home after the fight late, late Saturday night. So if it's an early <laughs> night, I, I make sure I don't miss my train. You can get on the earlier train, maybe, if that, if that baby's done quick uh, in the Barclays Center. Okay, so we're on the record on Wilder Hellenius. Again, pay I'm, just, I'm just excited to have Deontay Wilder back in the ring, yeah. man. I can't wait. Well, and we, there was some doubt as to whether he would, and we've covered that on the show, and we've covered that on our Big Fight Weekend podcast. You talked to him, but he is now enthused to be back. What kind of Wilder will we see? A man that terrorized uh, the heavyweight division, at least in North America, uh, for the better part of about five years or so as a knockout guy. Let's see if it's still there for him at age 37. Hellenius again, uh, 38 years of age in this matchup. On the undercard, immediately preceding that fight, the co-feature fight is former IBF 168-pound champion Caleb Sweethands Plant. Did you give him that nickname? Sweethands uh, will uh, be in action here for the first time since his loss to Canelo Alvarez last November. He's fighting a veteran in Anthony Durrell, who is 37 years of age. Very interesting. Some wide odds again here on the money line for Plant. At minus 900 on the Bet US line, you see plant there for knockout or decision. You get much better uh, value. The over under 10.5 here. Again, Durrell is a former world champion in this division. Dan, what do you make of it? Give us some insight and a prediction, please. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a good, solid matchup. As you mentioned, uh, Caleb Plant, former IBF super middleweight champion, he is coming off the knockout loss against Canelo Alvarez uh, nearly a year ago. Durrell, two time WBC champion in the same weight class. Uh, his last fight happened to be on that same undercard. So sort of the same in terms of like you have Wilder and Hellenius, whose last fight were on the same card with Wilder in the main event. This is a fight where uh, these two guys were on the same card also with uh, Caleb Plant in the main event. But Durrell is coming off a big knockout victory in that undercard fight, not against a top level opponent, but it was an impressive victory just because of the way he scored the knockout kind of ended a little bit of a rut. He was in where he had a draw against a fighter named Kyron Davis, where Durrell was the big favorite. Uh, before that, he had suffered an, a stoppage loss. Uh, so he's a little bit older. Durrell, as you mentioned, 37. He's considered retirement. Uh, and, you know, I think that he looks at this fight as sort of like this is uh, the last stand, so to speak. He knows that, listen, this is a also a title elimination fight in the WBC. Uh, it would put the winner in a position to become a mandatory uh, for Canelo Alvarez. And I don't think Canelo is necessarily going to fight Caleb Plant again uh, or Durrell for that matter, just because of the uh, it's not it's not the biggest economically. And uh, that's the types of fights that Canelo was taking these days. Uh, but it's it's going to put the winner in a great position. Uh, it's a very important fight. And so uh, these guys have trash-talked each other for a bit. They don't really particularly like each other. Uh, there was a period of time, uh, however briefly, for several months where they had overlapping title reigns. They never had a unification fight. Uh, it's, it's an important fight for both fighters, and they bring something different to the ring. They're both veterans. Uh, they both are very quality uh, boxers. Uh, I think Darrell may be a slightly better puncher, but Caleb Plant, as, you know, other than the knockout uh, loss they took against Canelo, has shown a good chin. Um, it's it's a it's a good match. I, I mean, I'm not surprised, uh, TJ, that that Caleb Plant is the favorite in the way he was. But it did surprise me that the odds were that long because that's that's I feel like it's almost disrespectful to Darrell. I'm not saying Darrell is winning the fight, but it seems like he would have a better chance than those odds would indicate. All right. Well, that being said, though, you get better value, whether you're going decision prop or knockout prop. And look, Plant has been good. But he hasn't been a big knockout guy, especially early. So that's going to factor in here. Let's go on the record, Dan. What do you like in the co-feature fight here, Plant and Durrell in Brooklyn? Well, I respect Caleb Plant's boxing ability and skills. I think youth is important. 
the one thing that gives me slight pause, but not enough to change my mind, he is in a, a situation where he's working with a new trainer for the first time for this fight. He had been trained for many years by Justin Gamber. Now he's with Stephen Breadman Edwards, uh, Caleb's father still in the corner. That's the guy that's been the constant all along. Uh, but even with the change, uh, I still think that uh, the youth, his desire still to be at the top, uh, knowing that that he is the, probably the better skilled fighter than Darrell, uh, I think that this is the type of fight where Caleb Plant, maybe with a couple of rough moments possibly, but gets the job done and wins the fight. I picked the decision, which obviously by uh, definition means I'm taking the over. Uh, I hope we get a good fight. Uh, interesting. There are some peeps going back and forth. One, Lucas just put up there a second ago uh, that he loves the parlay of Wilder. What did he have? Plant, uh, Shields, and Devin Haney. We're going to talk about those other fights in a few moments. Lucas getting very bold uh, there with a four-fighter uh, parlay. We'll see if that is the case. Let's go on the record here. You and I in agreement. I just think Plant is the better boxer. I don't know that he's going to knock the tough Durrell out. You and I agree we get better value on the decision prop than just on the straight money line, so we'll go for that. And again, as we often say, double up, folks, here. If you believe in the decision, then you also believe in the over. Double it up here. We're going to take the over. You do have to lay 250 um, there. You have to lay 25 to win 10, but you and I will do that. We will take that. And, uh, and go with Caleb Plant as the winner in the co-feature fight. And you bring up a great point. He's not going to get a rematch Plant at Canelo Alvarez, but let's say if Canelo has to vacate one of the versions of the 168-pound mm -hmm. title, Plant puts himself in the picture for a vacant title fight as a former champion and by winning this Darrell fight. One more time, real quick. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, that, that's the whole point here. I mean, these guys are they're, they're two named guys in that weight class who've been around a while. They both had titles. And it's an opportunity to get a win against another name opponent in your weight class. But in terms of the WBC's rankings, it pushes you near a mandatory position. Whether you fight Canelo or not is not even relevant. These guys want another title, and uh, this will put them in that position to at least get the opportunity. Fair enough on that. Okay, so that is the pay-per-view show, Fox Sports pay-per-view from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Let's move another continent away where it's actually Sunday afternoon when this fight will happen in Australia. Rematch of the undisputed 135-pound lightweight championship, Devin Haney out of California, fighting Australian George Cambosis for the second time in five months. Haney beat him easily on decision the first time. This is the rematch, Saturday night in the U.S., Sunday afternoon in Australia. And Haney is the decided favorite again. Uh, right now, a nine to one favorite on the Bet US line. You take a look at the props for knockout and for decision, Dan Rayfield, as well as an over under of 10 and a half. What do we think here? I guess the same way I posed this on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, I'm going to pose it the same way here on the Bet US show. If this is going to be different other than a Haney dominant decision, how or why is it different for Cambosis to change that in this sequel fight? Well, first of all, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot different from that standpoint that you mentioned. Uh, but if it's going to be, it's going to mean George Cambosa is going to have to go and go get him. Uh, Devin Haney is too good of a defensive fighter, too good of a skilled fighter, too quick, uh, too smart, and really knows every inch of that ring. Uh, fearless going back to Australia. Remember, when he went to Australia in June and he won the fight in the first place, uh, you know, he went because he's a pro. But, you know, he admitted that, you know, he was thinking it was going to be a bad situation. He, he wasn't really excited about the fact. He was excited for the fight, but not about fighting in Australia. 
Uh, it turned out to be a, uh, what he said. It was a great experience. Everybody treated him well. Uh, he, he loved being there. Obviously, he loved winning the fight. And so now that he's going back, he's even more confident because there is no uh, issue about where where the fight's taking place. Uh, if people followed what happened in the first fight, there was a lot of question marks about whether his father, Bill Haney, who's the trainer and also the manager, would be able to be there with him because uh, Australia has very uh, stiff rules related to uh, giving out visas for people to visit. His father had a criminal conviction like 30 years ago and was a problem for him to get the paperwork. So he went with another trainer, a close family friend, Yoel Judah, the father and trainer of Zab Judah. In the end, his father, uh, with a lot of behind the scenes work, got the paperwork, and he, but he didn't arrive in Australia until the night before the fight. Now, no problem. So that 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 load is off Devin Haney's mind. His father's been there with him. They've been down there for a couple of weeks already. No issues there. So everything in that sense, it's even better for uh, Devin Haney. So if George Cambosis is going to score the upset in this fight, he's going to have to go to this guy. He has to hurt Devin Haney, and he has to do it early, I believe. If you let him get a Devin Haney, get a, a, a lead on the scorecards, he can play that four corners or just you know toy with you for as many rounds as he needs to. Uh, you need to go and hurt this man. That's the bottom line. So we see the question there. It's in the live chat. Do, do you believe Cambosis has a big enough punch to change the dynamic after Haney put on a boxing lesson with the jab, the movement, the faster hands? Can Cambosis do so? I mean, can he and will he are two different things. Right. Will he be able with a big enough punch to change any of this dynamic in the rematch? I mean, I don't think he will be able to, but yes, he can because we've seen what he's capable of. In the fight where he uh, made his name and became a unified champion was when he fought the great fight at the end of 2021 against Tiafimo Lopez. In that fight, remember that, I mean, if we were on the Bet US show doing it back then, we'd have you know been predicting an easy one-sided knockout victory for Tiafimo Lopez. In the reality of what happened in that fight, he came out and he dropped Tiafimo Lopez in the first round of that fight with a big, heavy shot. He went at him the entire fight. It turned out to be a tremendous battle. Uh, but George Cambos has never backed down, and he outmuscled Tiafimo Lopez, who was a little bit uh, diminished from the standpoint of his own physical situation that came to light after the fight. But nonetheless, he won the fight, you know, for for sure. And he hurt the man, and and uh, he scored that big upset. So he he is capable of doing that. And uh, and but Devin Haney, we have seen him rocked a couple of times, but he's always maintained the composure. And like I said, he's a very fast fighter. He's very smart. He's he's got the youth on his side. He's only 23 years old. Uh, you know, I believe he's a phenomenal talent. So to answer the question, can he? Yes. Will he? No. Very big in the difference. By the way, the savages are going back and forth. That's not me. Again, I always say this to you. That's another TJ saying, first Cambosis fight, got two 116-112 scorecards. Disgusting. I gave him two rounds at the most. Um, and again, we should make mention here, it is a partisan a uh, loud fan base, but he didn't give them really anything to cheer about sustained in the first fight. You just you just wonder, will he be different? Will he come at Haney? And how does Haney handle he that? To, he's if gonna he does. Because if he just does it the same way he did the last time, uh, you know, it's gonna be the same exact kind of fight. I mean, I, I agreed with uh with that uh comment from the from the uh the viewer that you know once I don't I won't say it was disgusting. I didn't think it was 116, 112 either. I, I thought that uh that Cambosis won a couple of rounds. Uh, you know, maybe four rounds was slightly generous, but there was nobody that disputed. Uh, even Cambosis couldn't make the argument that he thought he won the fight and got robbed somehow. I mean, the, the judging was was solid. They did a good job. He's going back. Uh, and I don't think there's going to be any problems there this time around either. It's just a matter of uh, both guys making whatever small adjustments that they need to make. Uh, you know, and I would say that even when you win a fight that lopsided, 
you still need to make some kind of adjustment because you don't know what your opponent's going to do. But Devin Haney is a smart enough fighter where he can do it on the fly in the ring after he sees what Cambosis has to offer. And uh, I think that Cambosis is smart enough to know that that there's not going to be some massive radical alteration of the type of game plan that Devin Haney comes with. So he's going to have to go at him. That's my the way I, I see it. I don't I don't think there's any way he can win if he doesn't really try to press the action. Let's go on the record, both Dan Rayfield and I agreeing on this undisputed lightweight world title fight in Melbourne, Australia. ESPN will televise in the United States, Australian pay-per-view. We both like Devin Haney, as you as you laugh when I say this, second song, uh, wait, wait a minute, a minute. same song, second verse, could have gotten better, only got worse. I don't know that it'll be worse, but I think it's a lot of the same song here from Devin Haney. Uh, we'll both take him by decision, and again, I mean, not, we'll not double up. Not a complicated up. pick on this one, TJ. Not no. a complicated pick. And this, and th- and I, I realize the peeps may come at us a little bit. This is the safer pick. I mean, the riskier pick would be to take Haney by knockout, for example. Well, I'm going to say what I've been saying since, be the, yeah. since the day we started doing the show. I'll hit all the singles and doubles all day long. You let me get the W's, let me put some money in my pocket, I'm good. Yeah, and especially if you don't believe that strongly, you don't and I don't, that Haney is going to try to knock him out or will knock him out, then we're going to fall back on the decision prop here, and we're also going to fall back on the over. And that's paying uh, only minus 350 because the BetUS odds makers, and I see a similar odd in a couple of other places, they believe this is a distance fight. We will see if that's the case. Will the partisan crowd be a factor in Melbourne, Australia? And again, by contract, Devin Haney had to agree to a rematch if he wanted the first fight, a rematch that would happen like within six months. And that's why they're fighting again and fighting in Australia again. Haney said, no problem. I'll beat him the first time. I'll beat him the second time if I have to in Australia and pay me. Because by the way, Dan, he's making more for this fight. Am I correct, Haney? Haney's making about $4 million for this fight. That's a career-high payday by a lot. Mm. Even George Cambosis, who made a lot more money in the first fight, he's making about $2 million for this fight. So if you're Devin Haney, of course you're going to take the rematch for a fight where you already dominated the guy the first time. You won handily. Uh, so I can't sit here and, and say this is a quote-unquote tune-up fight. But everybody knows that Devin Haney has bigger business down the road. He's looking to do a big fight in the early part of next year against Vasily Lomachenko, who makes his return at the end of October if he wins that fight. The likely match that these guys will see at the first part of next year will be Devin Haney against Vasily Lomachenko, which is a fascinating, a very interesting, tremendous battle. And it makes sense because if you go back to when Devin Haney got the opportunity against Cambosis in the first place, that was originally supposed to be George Cambosis defending his belts against Lomachenko. He bowed out late in the game uh, because he made the decision it was uh, better for him and his family to stay in Ukraine. He was part of the defense of the country uh, as it related to the Russian invasion. Uh, He has now come back to boxing. But before that happened, that left George Cambosis without an opponent. And Devin Haney was like, look, I'll take the fight on the exact same terms that were offered to Lomachenko. They made the match. He came in with the WBC title and they were allowed uh, to make the ultimate unification for the undisputed title. And that's how that happened. So if the end result is the winner of... Uh, Haney Cambosis too, because George Cambosis, if he wins, could also get the shot. Uh, you know, the fight with Lomachenko. It sets up the perfect scenario. If again, if Lomachenko wins uh, the fight coming at the end of the month. We don't think that'll happen. We think it's Haney to win here in this one. Before we move on, you want to get excited? We've already broken live audience records. They are growing and growing and growing here watching us. If you've joined us late, we've already talked about the Wilder Hellenius fight. You see that on the rundown as well as the Caleb Plant, Anthony Durrell fight. Make sure to be here at 1 Eastern time live in the live chat, but you can play us back whenever on Friday and Saturday. We are dispensing the boxing knowledge. Am I right, Dan Rayfield? Fridays. 
1 Eastern time, but the knowledge still stay, uh, stays good. If you're in right now with us live, hit that like button. Hit the bell. Make sure you're subscribed. We've been here. Some of you may be joining us for the first time and finding us for the first time. You haven't realized how good-looking a male model Rayfield is until now. Now you realize it. Hit the like button. DJ, Make not sure so you're back. Yourself, you know? I know. We just we, we try. Uh, so, again, for the peeps that are finding us and that are watching us maybe just now and in, in progress on the show, thank you. Make sure you're back live at 1 Eastern time. Two more fights that we're going over with the predictions. We'll recap all of the picks if you joined us late as well. Let's go to England. We've already talked about Brooklyn, New York. We've already talked about Melbourne, Australia. Let's go to London. Women's world title doubleheader. These fights were rescheduled from September due to the death of Queen Elizabeth II right before the fights were to have happened. 48 hours before the fights were to have happened, she passed away at the age of 96. They did a national time period of mourning that weekend, the following week. All right, these fights are back on. Clarissa Shields of the United States fighting Savannah Marshall of Great Britain. Uh, these two have an amateur history as well that Dan's about to go over. It is a heavily favored situation for Shields. Our over-under is eight and a half rounds. Women's boxing, 10 rounds, 10 two-minute rounds. So the over-under is eight and a half rounds. This is for the undisputed women's middleweight championship. Dan, pick it up here. There's some bad blood as well between the American and the English woman. Well, the first thing that I think people have to remember and realize is that Clarissa Shields has already been the undisputed women's middleweight champion. She vacated one of those belts for different reasons, and that was the belt that Savannah Marshall eventually won. So in essence, Clarissa Shields goes into this fight just trying to win back what she already gave up uh, to become a two-time undisputed middleweight champion. She's also been the undisputed junior middleweight champion, and she started off her career fighting at super middleweight where she unified belts also. She didn't get the opportunity to win all four belts, but she was a unified champion at 168. She has been the undisputed champion at 160 where she still holds three of the belts, and she's also been the undisputed women's champion uh, down at 154 pounds. So for a woman with only a dozen professional fights, she is as accomplished as anybody you could ever think of in women's boxing history, not to mention her amateur career where she was a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Now, back to the amateur days that I just mentioned. She went, at, well, she's undefeated here as a professional at 12-0. As an amateur fighter, Clarissa Shields went 77-1. The one loss, highly controversial, when she was a teenager, 17 years old, she lost in an international competition by decision to Savannah Marshall. And that is what this has been built on. There's been a lot of talk about this fight ever since uh, these, these women both turn professional that someday they would meet in a high stakes professional fight. The time is now they are meeting. Once again, Savannah Marshall comes in also as an undefeated title holder. Uh, she is known for bigger punching power than Clarissa Shields. Clarissa is more of a boxer. She only has a couple of knockouts in her 12 fights, but she's a Supreme boxer. And, uh, there's been a lot of back and forth between these two ladies for a long time. And they finally, uh, get to settle. I think it's been really sort of a thorn in Clarissa's side because as much accomplishment as she has had, in an outstanding amateur and professional career. Savannah Marshall hasn't stopped chirping about that one amateur victory, which, by the way, if you go watch it, it was really Clarissa Shields kind of got robbed in that fight, but that's a story for another day. Uh, this is what this is all about. Vengeance for that amateur fight in terms of mm -hmm. Clarissa, uh, trying to prove that it was no fluke on the behalf of Savannah Marshall, and also, by the way, undisputed status in the middleweight division. So it shapes up like a, a very intriguing fight. From what I am told, the O2 Arena in London, uh, you know, it's basically London's version of Madison Square Garden or, uh, you know, the the former Staples Center, uh, now Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, you know, the big major arena in London. Uh, and they, they draw a lot. They've had lots of boxing events there. I've covered fight there. Uh, it's the first time they ever have a women's 
uh, fight as the main event. In fact, this entire card, top to bottom, is all women's boxing, and they've done uh, apparently a big business. I'm told by the folks that are involved that it's a uh, you know not quite 100% sold out, but basically a sellout. There'll be near 20,000 people on hand. Uh, it shows you the type of wow when you make the right matches, uh, whether it's men's boxing or women's boxing, that the public responds. And uh, there are going to be a lot of people there looking at this fight. It's a high-stakes fight. It's uh, it's one of the biggest fights in women's boxing history in a year where we've already seen Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano in a, in a really huge women's boxing match. We'll go on the record in just a second. A couple of other, other points to follow up on with what you were saying. Shields went on to win the gold medal twice in the Olympics, and Savannah Marshall was in the tournament both times but could not advance to meet her in either a semifinal or a gold medal fight. And so don't think for a second that Clarissa, who let's just say doesn't lack for confidence, hasn't been reminding everybody in the media, Marshall, whomever, uh, that, hey, you you didn't do anything in the Olympics against me after the one amateur win. You never even got to face me while I won gold medals. And one more point, uh, illuminate this once again before we make the picks. Shields has been in with much better professional yes. competition, correct? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, you know, nothing against Savannah Marshall. She's an excellent fighter also. But I don't think if you take a look at the ledger of opponents that she has faced in her first dozen professional fights, because she's also 12 and 0. She just has more knockouts, about seven knockouts compared to what Clarissa Shields has. There's no question that the opponent level that Clarissa Shields has faced is far superior than the professional level opponents that uh, Savannah Marshall has faced. That's just, in my opinion, uh, the way it is. And and obviously now they're fighting each other. And you know we'll have the answers to these questions uh, sometime late Saturday afternoon, early Saturday evening, our time here in the United States. My man David Payne, the boxing writer, is watching us live from England. Uh, cheerio. Hope you're doing well there, my friend. This uh, this has got a lot of buzz there. Marshall is a huge fan favorite right now, as you mentioned, for this title fight. Let us go on the record, my friend. What do you like ultimately here, undisputed women's uh, middleweight world title clash? Well, they've made a lot about the fact that, that uh, Savannah Marshall is the bigger puncher and that she's just going to touch Clarissa Shields and knock her out. I don't buy that for a minute. Clarissa Shields is a consummate boxer. She has got tremendous skills. Uh, she's so good at boxing. She also does MMA as like a side job. She's bo- involved in both and she's uh, had professional MMA fights uh, and she's trying to make it a go in both sports. Uh, her goal is to be a champion in both sports uh, at the same time. But in any event, she's got superior boxing skills. She's fearless about going over there. She knows that the reality is that she deserved to win that amateur fight against Savannah Marshall. She has no fear whatsoever. She actually volunteered, said, you know, we'll make the right deal and I'll be happy to go fight her in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um Again, I'm glad the fight's happening. It's a long time coming. But in the end, I think, uh, and uh, I can't uh, tell you how many times I've said this on the show, but once again, I will quote the great philosopher Floyd Mayweather, skills pay the bills. And Clarissa Shields has more skills than Clarissa, uh, than uh, Savannah Marshall. And this is uh, a Clarissa Shields decision victory. I agree with you on this. Most of her championship wins have been by decision, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it lets you know that she knows strategically uh, how to work these fights, how to get in, get out, not get hit, uh, maybe more experience, certainly some more experience on paper than Savannah Marshall. I agree with you. We both are going to go for the same here. We uh, we double up on Clarissa Shields winning. We double up on the over. Again, 10-round fight. The over-under here is eight and a half rounds. Again, not paying as well because the BetUS oddsmakers believe this probably is a distance fight. We'll still take it here. Uh, for Clarissa Shields in the main event, boxer promotions. Some people were asking in the live chat, 
on how they see the fight, including how they see the preliminary fights. Dan, go over that a little bit here if you're interested. Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night, five hours ahead in England. Tell them more. Well, if you're in the United Kingdom, it's on Sky Sports, just as part of your regular cable package. In the United States, it's going to be streamed on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the coverage of the card starts at 2.30 Eastern time. And, of course, they'll have uh, several preliminary fights before you get down towards uh, the two main championship cards, two, two main championship fights. So, yeah, ESPN Plus in America, Sky Sports in the U.K. And we did not say this about Haney and Cambosis, but you don't even have to have the streaming service ESPN Plus. ESPN will show the fight from Australia long about 10, 30, 11 Eastern, something like that, give or take with college football finishing on ESPN. Again, the Wilder Hellenius is a pay-per-view. You can snicker and make fun of the price of the pay-per-view. We still believe, Dan and I may be biased, you're going to get your money's worth with fireworks with Wilder. But anyway, that's a pay-per-view. ESPN has the Haney Cambosis, and again, yeah. One thing, one thing on Haney Cambosis, the main event is on ESPN, but again, the person that asked was asking, and I watched the preliminaries, ESPN Plus will carry a whole slew of preliminary fights on the Haney card also on the on the Plus service. It's just that the main event itself uh, will be on Plus as well as also on regular ESPN following the conclusion of the college football game. And again, earlier in the afternoon, I know the college football is going on, the baseball playoffs are going on, different things here, but these fights will be available on ESPN Plus uh, streaming and uh, and that's not just the main event that includes the next fight that we're going to go over the co-feature and this this is an interesting one between two Americans fighting in Britain on the immediate fight before Shields and Marshall that is Michaela Mayer a former U.S. Olympian who's got two of the belts at 130 pounds junior lightweight against Alicia Baumgartner out of Michigan who's got the uh, one of the other belts so three of the ladies junior lightweight champions Championships are on the line. Mayer is heavily favored. Look at the knockout prop, though. Uh, most uh, most believe the odds makers at least believe this is a Mayer decision. Probably look at the knockout prop for Michaela Mayer to win by KO. The over under again is eight and a half rounds. Uh, I think it's fair to say I don't think it's contrived, Dan. We were talking about this on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. These two genuinely do not like each other. And the smack talk we've seen once again this week, I don't think that's hype. I don't think they like each other. Give me more on Mayer and Baumgartner. Well, the smack talk between them has actually been quite hilarious. Uh, you know, you would think that the because of the longstanding rivalry and the feud and, and all the stuff about the amateur fight and the length of time that the fight has been brewing between Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, that they would have more to say about each other. They've been a lot more respectful, frankly, than I thought they would be, even though they've certainly had their say about one another. Uh, the Mayer and Baumgartner fight really only became a thing a few months ago, and that was because originally M Michaela had won her title and had unified two of the belts. And so she was looking for the third belt or, you know, of the four, she would, you know, there was two other champions. She was looking to fight the British uh, uh, fighter, Terry Harper. Uh, and they, and she was looking to fight her. And what happened was Terry Harper fought Baumgartner and got knocked out in an upset. And so Michaela Mayer turned her attention to Baumgartner and they've been going back and forth very hilariously on, on, uh, on social media. And uh, you know, so I don't think they really know each other, but I mean, they're both proud. They're both good. And they both want what the other one has. So it's obviously led to some of the, uh, the uh, conversation, let's say, between them. And both of them have outgoing personalities, so they're not taking a backward step from the other one. And it has spilled over. They've been uh, in each other's face uh, during the course of their face-to-face -face meetings during the promotion. They had to be separated at the at the mm -hmm. press conference or the, I guess at the weigh-in the other day. So, uh, you know, they, they, want, they want at each other in a bad way. They both have designs on being undisputed. This is another step to that direction. Uh, the winner of this, of course, will still need the fourth belt. Uh, but it's 
this to me, uh, you know, I like the Shields and and, uh, and Marshall fight, but I have so much respect for the skill level of, of Shields that I think she might be able to just sort of handily outbox Savannah Marshall. In this fight between Michaela Mayer and Baumgartner, they both can box, but they also like to fight. And so I think that we're in, if you're looking at this card, which is the better fight, I sort of believe that we'll see more action, more entertainment level stuff in this uh, uh, Michaela Mayer, Alicia Baumgartner fight than we will in the other matchup. But it's a it's a worthy fight. I mean, it's, you know, when you have the, these stakes and they're both on the same card and it's not even pay-per-view, you know, I think the fans, uh, they get their money's worth. We don't get these kind of cards in men's boxing these days. Uh, you know, the price point for the athletes is higher. The women are making inroads and getting higher paydays. These four women are getting their higher, highest paydays they've ever had. Good for them. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I've never been the biggest uh, women's boxing fan, but there are certain matchups that I do really uh, get excited to see. And I'm very much looking forward to watching this card. I've got my whole thing planned out, TJ, about how I'm going to be able to watch this because I'm going to be going to New York. So I'm going to be at my seat in Barclay Center watching the preliminaries there. But I'll make sure I have my laptop open, paying attention to these women's fights also. Yeah, no doubt that there will be some excitement. The only interesting variable, and again, we're going to go on the record here in just a second, is these are two Americans that are fighting in London here. Will there be some enthusiasm? There are great fans. There are a great number of rabid, tremendous, loud boxing fans. Will they get loud when there's yes. not, uh, you know, yeah, will they get loud at the I'm right moments? In, they're yeah. they're going to okay, get go loud and be excited for this. A couple of reasons. Number one, when Alicia Baumgartner won her title, the WBC belt, she did so in the UK against a British fighter, Terry Harper. So even though she beat their 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 fighter, uh, you know, I think that they're respectful of what she brought to the table and how she performed, and they will uh, gravitate towards her. And Michaela Mayer, frankly, compared to all the other women on the card, has really been like the rock star this week. I mean, she's gotten appearances on. You know, terrestrial, mainstream UK television mm -hmm. was on one of the big interview shows in the morning on ITV, which if you're familiar with uh, UK television, that'd be like appearing, you know, on Good Morning America or the Today Show or some, you know, one of the big uh, network shows. So uh, Michaela Mayer has gotten uh, some traction over there. She's been there to do commentary on, on broadcast before. So uh, they're, they're going to be an enthusiastic group of people watching those fights. And I think that both Alicia and Michaela will have fans cheering them on for sure. All right, time to go on the record. What will happen here? And I, it, it was alluded to, there's disagreement between you and I on what is going to happen. What do you say here in the co-feature fight Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night in London? Well, I, I think that's a great matchup, number one. So I'm, I'm really happy that these guys, uh, these gals were able to get this fight together. Their promoters, everybody was able to come together, uh, take it to the point where they were willing to fight on the undercard of Shields against Savannah Marshall because there are some athletes that would be like, no way, this is a unification. This is a big deal. We should be the main event. But I think they recognized uh, the historic nature of having the two fights on the same show. So I appreciate that. When it's all said and done, uh, no knock on, on Baumgartner. I like Michaela Mayer. I like her amateur pedigree. I like what she's done. I like the, the level of opposition she has faced as a professional so far. I like the fact that I've seen her take good shots, and, and Baumgartner does have good punching power, and Michaela has never really been wobbled or wavered in my mind. She stood in there in the pocket and slugged it out with uh, Maivia Hamadouche in the unification fight that I was at in Las Vegas when she unified uh, her two titles. I just think that she's got the grit. I think she's got the skill, and I think she's definitely got the desire. And I'm not saying that Baumgartner doesn't have those things. I think that Michaela just has a little bit more and gets the job done. I'm taking her by decision. It's kind of – I feel repetitive, TJ, because I'm, other than the Wilder knockout, all the other fights, I'm taking the, uh, the decision victory in the over. You and I are in different camps, in different corners. I'll you be like the all day long as long as I'm cashing. 
All right, so you're looking to cash on the mayor decision. I like Alicia Baumgartner, and she's got seven KOs and 12 wins. I'm not worried about the how. I just will take Baumgartner on the money line here as we lock this in officially. Again, Dan going with mayor by decision. I've got Baumgartner on the money line, and look at my payout is a lot better there, plus 225 if it comes through. I'm not worried with the knockout prop or the decision prop. Dan will also take the over, obviously, uh, for the fourth straight fight here because he's got the decision. Might as well double up on the over again. Look at that. Odds makers believe at minus 650, there's not much value there, but you might as well get something out of it. If you if you put a unit or two on there uh, on Michaela Mayer, you can double up with the over. This will be entertaining stuff. It it will. Uh, it, we are saying that with almost certainty between these two fights, it will not be dull uh, because both of these uh, fights for the winner it obviously enhances this even more that it's going on in the UK. It's live TV there. It's live TV back here. It'll make, in particular, Clarissa Shields and the winner between the two Americans a bigger deal in the U.S., depending on whoever wins, uh, to come back off of this uh, for the doubleheader. And really historic stuff there in, in England, as you mentioned, for the headlining of the fights. Dan Rayfield, we have already broken every live attendance record. You want to hang here for a few more minutes and answer some questions? I know we've gone a little long on five fight picks. By the way, for anybody that is still with us that has not hit the like button, do it. If you have not subscribed, do it. You see it right there on the screen. We will be here on Fridays at 1, but you don't need any kind of notification if you're uh, subscribed. You don't have to have any prompt from a social media link, etc. If you're subscribed, you're going to get notified uh, that we're live at 1 o'clock uh, through YouTube and BetUS's platforms. Uh, so again, thank you to all the audience, and the audience continues to grow while we're sitting here. They found us. Again, we're live at 1 Eastern time. I'm seeing the live chat go back and forth with great debate uh, about uh, whether Baumgartner's been running her mouth too much and Michaela Mayer's going to shut her up. A couple of people are talking about yeah, that in the live chat. Yeah, there's a lot. There's been a lot of that that's going on. So again, thank you to the audience. A lot of you may have joined us in progress here. The show is live at 1 Eastern time on Fridays. Make it a point to be with us. You can watch the show whenever after that on Friday, Saturday, before all of the different uh, fights. All right, do we have some uh, live questions here? Let's get to some that um, is, uh, some comments or questions that people have had, at least here uh, recently. Uh, Lucas is saying, why nothing official on Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora? Why no official announcement? Something seems herky. He's using the word herky, Rayfield. I don't I know how you feel says, about that word, but go ahead. I think the word is hinky, but either way. Hinky uh, or herky, yeah. I, I hope there's never an official announcement because I have no desire to see Tyson Fury have a third fight with Derek Chisora. Uh, you know, that's like saying, why is there no official announcement of uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua or against Manuel Char or against, uh, you know, uh, whoever? They, if there's no official announcement, means there's no done deal. That's a dumb question. No offense. All right. And it was hinky. I was hinky to not get that one right. Uh, what else? Let me see. Another one uh, from Hamed along the same lines. He says, salute, guys. What's the bigger fight, Joshua fighting Wilder or Usyk fighting Fury? Now, we obviously know an Usyk Fury fight is for all the belts, but I guess he's just saying in terms of interest, would Wilder Joshua be a bigger about? What do you think for Hamed's question there, Dan Rayfield? I mean, they're both huge fights. And I've said a long time, you know, even when, well, first of all, back up a couple of years, a few years ago, there was a lot of conversation and discussions about the prospect of a fight between Wilder 
and Joshua when they were both undefeated and both had titles, and it would have been for the undisputed title. Uh, there were efforts on both sides to make the fight for a variety of reasons. It did not happen. But even now that they're not title holders, and even now that they've both suffered multiple defeats, that's still, title or no title, probably the second biggest fight in, the bo- in, in, in all of boxing, uh, certainly in the heavyweight division. Um, I think it's on par with a Fury versus Usyk fight because as big of a deal as that would be to produce the first four-belt undisputed champion and the first undisputed champion of any kind in a long, long time, going all the way back to when Lennox Lewis did it uh, against Evander Holyfield back in, uh, what, 1999 uh, in their second fight, that 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 Wilder and Joshua would would, would be a gargantuan fight. Uh, there's there's so much that to be interested in that, the way that they – then that we've, we've now seen they're both vulnerable, but they also can punch. They also have, uh, you know, been linked together for a possible fight for a long time. I sure hope that when it's all said and done, title, no title, whatever, that they don't leave this sport and retire before they fight each other. There's too much money to be made and too much fan interest for that fight to go by the wayside. But I guess uh, I, I guess you'd have to say that Fury and Usyk, just because of the stakes, is probably a little bit of a bigger fight, even if Usyk's not as big of a name or as big of a personality. But uh, Fury, uh, Usyk may be number one, but uh, Joshua versus Wilder is not too far behind at all. All right, let's look at another question real quick here on the live show on Friday from Troy. He says, hey, for top-tier women's fights being two-minute rounds, uh, isn't the over usually a good bet? And you are taking the over in both of these bouts, Shields, Marshall, Mayer, Baumgartner. Dan, what do you think? I mean, I think there's something to that, I guess. Uh, you know, I've heard lots of women who have advocated for women's fights to have three-minute rounds talk about how, you know, they're just sort of getting started and 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 they're maybe have their opponent in some trouble uh, and just when they think they might be able to do something in terms of ending a fight or getting a knockdown or really imposing themselves, that suddenly you hear that 10-second clap when the round is suddenly over. So, yeah, I think there's something to that. And obviously, we've talked about this a couple different times on this show. And again, we keep referencing. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Preview show every Friday. Recap show comes off the weekend, Sunday night or Monday. Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. We've talked about it on there as well. Once you get into two and a half minutes, two minutes and 45 seconds, fatigue is a little different. And then the knockouts uh, may come more frequently, more uh, quickly, if that is the case. But right now, there's a safety concern, and until the fighters band together, I'm talking about globally, U.S., U.K., Europe, wherever, and say, we want three-minute rounds, a lot of the commissions, right, are going to err on caution and safety and keep it at two-minute rounds until the fighters want it to change. Listen, right now, everybody just needs to calm down. Women's boxing matches are going to be two-minute rounds. That's all there is to it. It's sort of like if you're playing at the highest level of professional tennis. Those women at the top of tennis are great athletes and, and great champions and players also, but they play best of three sets, not best of five sets. It's just the way it is for the time being. And like you said, it's not changing unless the fighters somehow band together, but the commissions have their rules and uh, they're sticking with it. So I don't I don't get bad out of shape about that at all. You know, And even the women that advocate for the three-minute rounds i don't hear them you know saying i'm not fighting if i don't get three minute rounds or anything like that they're still getting paid and the key here is this women at the highest level are now being paid more than they've ever been making so if they're going two minute rounds and still making real money i don't think anybody's gonna have a real problem with that in terms of the athletes a lot of predictions being made i see somebody predicting marshall ko of shields we might have somebody from the uk there uh on that uh again just a couple of more minutes with questions and we're going to get back to our best bets before we are done guys if you have the one from erland 
Erlin has a question about the bank-Eubank fight that did not happen last weekend. We came on the air saying, hey, this fight is off because Connor Ben, the son of the two-division world champion Nigel Ben, had tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug, so the fight was off. So Erland, if I have that right, wants to know here, had they had no issues, had they had the fight at 157 pounds, about 10 pounds heavier for Ben, and what, about 11 pounds lighter than the super middleweight Eubank was used to fighting at? Well, no, Eubank, 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 that's, the middle, that's right? Eubank has been fighting at 160. At so middleweight, okay, so just a little like less. Three more pounds. Who, wh- how would you have viewed that, and, and it may never happen now, but right. how would you have viewed that if they had fought? I mean, my, my inclination from, from, the, from the beginning was always to favor uh, Chris Eubank Jr. just because of uh, multiple things. Number one, size does matter in some instances, and I thought that was a difference here. But more notably, the experience level, the level of opposition, um, you know, maybe lean slightly towards Eubank. Uh, we, we will not know, uh, you know, what would have happened because the fight didn't happen. And now uh, the promoters can call the fight a postponement, but it's really a cancellation because if it does get ever uh, put back together. They're going to have to go through a whole other negotiating process. Uh, there's litigation that may take place because of this. Uh, the drug uh, testing authorities in Britain um, and uh, and the regulators, the British Board of Boxing Control, are now investigating uh, his mm-hmm. positive test with VADA. So, you know, this is a long way from a conclusion. So it may it, it may be that they'll fight each other, but if they do, it's going to be nothing in the in the immediate future. But uh, share this with the audience because again, I make reference to the podcast. They're looking at a possible two-year or more suspension for Conor Ben, and there is precedent for that. Dan, share that with the audience real quick that's watching. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, in the United States, uh, the individual commissions rule on these things, and typically you don't have that level of a suspension. Uh, You know, it depends on what the infraction is, but you're looking at oftentimes for something serious. You might get six months, you might get a year, uh, that type of thing. But with UCOD, uh, there is precedent where if you have this type of drug uh, positive test, you get a two-year ban. I mean, that's just, uh, there is precedent. The one that's that's off the top of my head that I can think of recently is uh, Kid Galahad, for example, who, who, who had a PED uh, positive test. UCOT just uh, uh, put him on ice for two years. Ultimately, he did come back and, and fight for titles, and he ended up winning a featherweight title. But his career was really never the same after that. Um, uh, Connor Ben is only 24 years old, but if he takes a two-year ban, uh, certainly mm. his career is not over. But it's a serious hit when you're at that level of development. He's on the verge of maybe being in the picture for a title shot and could go on ice for 2023 and maybe 2024. Again, uh, we'll see. We'll see as the investigation unfolds with him testing positive with the A sample, the infamous B sample. What's going to happen with the B sample, Rayfield? We don't know. Well, he's got to decide if they're going to test it or not. So far, as far as I can tell, they have not made that decision, which, you know, if you really, really believe that you didn't do anything wrong or there's some kind of funny business, you know, you, you should get the B sample tested. But as I have tested. said, you know, B samples very, 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 very rarely come back any different than the A sample. That is true. All right. Uh, speaking of a decision to make, we've made decisions on different picks. Let's recap and show you what we have and what's been a busy show. I won't go line by line here. Uh, Dan, again, did not weigh in on an over-under play for the Wilder-Hellenius fight. I did. We're in agreement Really, other than that, on the co-feature involving Caleb Plant and the how, as we scroll to the next screen, we're in agreement on Devin Haney as well to win in the rematch with George Cambosis, and we're in agreement on the how uh, there as well. We again agree on the women's world middleweight title fight with the winner and the how, but you and I disagree in the co-feature. 
The unified junior lightweight title fight between Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner. Dan likes Mayer, and by decision, I like Baumgartner just on the money line. Might even be a knockout, might even be a stoppage over the 10 rounds for me. Dan also taking the over in that fight. All right, Dan, good luck with the picks. Uh, Audience, again, thank you. We have had, and we thought this might be the case, with such a busy fight card weekend, New York, London, Melbourne, Australia, that we might see big audience. And there's something just one more time about the heavyweights and the bronze bomber being back with obviously a lot of interest on him back for the first time in a year, big time puncher. We thought there'd be some audience here. Thank you to those that have been watching and have been with us throughout the show. Right. Dan Rayfield here. I think you got your money's worth today on the program. Almost two almost an hour's worth here. Absolutely. And I sure hope that uh, for those who took the time to watch the show, they certainly get their money's worth and their time's worth more importantly when they watch all the events tomorrow. Okay, we again plug Dan will be there for Wilder Hellenius, whatever happens. We'll be in the preview mode on BigFightWeekend.com, and the recaps of the fights will be there as well. Let's see what happens in these. Be safe getting to New York from Northern Virginia there, Dan Rayfield. I look forward to talking to you next week on this show. Good luck with your picks, all right? Good luck with your picks because you could use it. Listen to that, a dig right to end the show. We thank all of you for watching. Antonio and everybody behind the scenes at BetUS, Danny, Natalie, everybody, Alejandro, thank you. Great job. Uh, Francisco and everybody associated with the program. New viewing record here. Be with us Fridays at 1 Eastern time. You get much more each and every week. Inside analysis and most importantly, picks on the BetUS Boxing Show.